Welcome to the ER Podcast, episode 20. We've titled this episode, Cloud ERP Explodes and Decision Point Digital. It's a cloud strike, changing the way businesses are approaching the market, the tools, the reporting, the workflow, the efficiencies. And if you're not on board, well, that's not a very level playing field now, is it? That takes us to Decision Point Digital, the point where you make the decision to join the cloud revolution and the risks involved, including that risk of doing nothing. Covers a lot, but here's what we know. Recently, Forbes magazine sponsored a webinar on breakthrough digital transformation stocks, the stock prices of companies that have boomed during the past few months, with investors seeing huge revenue spikes from customers that are hopping on the digital bandwagon. Companies like Salesforce.com, Zoom, cloud ERP firms, even, even stories like Disney, they had to close the theme parks due to COVID. But because of their ability to pivot digitally, they were in a position to go to market in an expedited move with digital movie downloads. It was a strategy that created revenue that more than covered the closed park losses. All those $200 admissions and $8 sodas they're not selling? <laughs> Can your business pivot that quickly? It really helps with a fully digital platform business tool set at your disposal. We're also seeing cloud ERP companies showing 30 and 40% growth rates during this COVID pandemic. At a time when many businesses are seeing extreme downturn, we've heard from NetSuite partners that reported record August 31st software sales closings. So we continue to look at what we're calling Decision Point Digital when you make that decision to re-energize your company and respond to a new economy. The end result is, if your business is waiting to see how the new economy is shaking out, well, we're beginning to see a digital steamroller and we're afraid it's headed your way. More on all this on today's episode. So background. So far, 2020 has left us with a viral plague and the resulting pandemic panic. We've got social instability, financial instability, racial inequality, political instability, the list goes on. ERP software, the primary consulting we specialize in, consists of a software project and a business consulting project. They have to run simultaneously. And when it's done right, it can result in significant bottom line profit from ERP. That's the website name, you get it, Profit from ERP. However, we're what you'd call an experienced consulting group. We observe and monitor the business decisions of companies who successfully implement business software and the business process improvements that go along with it. Understanding how managers in all different types of companies make decisions, how they react to similar stimulus, understanding all of this gives us more tools to take to the next assignment. So after 400 or so projects over 25 years, you can cover quite a bit of ground. So we're gonna talk about how this digital revolution is taking place and how you should be taking your place with technology. It's all here in today's episode of the ER Podcast. And we wanna look at this from a managerial accounting perspective. So we've invited back CPA Mark Lee as we discuss these and other issues on today's ER Podcast. Welcome back to the ER Podcast. I'm Gene Hammonds, Director of Profit from ERP. With me today, Mark Lee, Hawaii-based CPA. And we've done a classic introduction for Mark in an earlier episode, but 
Here's why his voice is so important to the ER podcast. Mark started out in a family tugboat business on the Texas Gulf Coast. He earned a CPA and joined Deloitte for a while and then worked in the oil and gas business and, and had postings in New York, London, Qatar, and the Middle East. One thing all of those have in common are those are no BS industries, straight talking people. So there's an incredible focus on the bottom line, no BS. So if you're looking for a on one hand, and then on the other hand, opinion from Mark, it's not going to happen. That's not what he does. You're going to hear exactly how it is. Mark, how are you this afternoon? I am good. How are you, Gene? Thanks for having me on uh, Profit from ERP today. Oh, what, absolutely. What are we talking What are we talking about today, Gene? Well, I, was getting... I heard you saying a lot of nice things about me, but what are we really talking about today? I was getting ready to call you the most dangerous CPA in the country, but I, I, I don't think danger in CPA really goes where you need to go there. But what I meant was this guy gets stuff well, done. The, uh, the trademark on the website at www.maui.tax right? is uh, I call myself not your typical bean counter, which sounds... <laughs> It's sort of an anti-pretentious thing to say in this industry, perhaps, because yeah. accounts, accounts are well known for making fun of themselves. But um, yeah, I, I started out in a family business um, on the coast of Texas in the waterfront and on the waterfront. And so uh, I come from a place that, that, you know, a lot of uh, technical consultants and accountants don't come from. So um We'll try to leverage that some here. I think the last time we did a podcast, I was um, I was riffing pretty pretty mightily on uh, QuickBooks, as as I recall. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, now we're on to other topics. Topic one today: overall trends. Microsoft CEO said the recent coronavirus lockdown had accelerated the move to digital business software jamming two years of, of digital transformation activity into two months because businesses had to really react quickly. And defining digital transformation, we're talking about cloud-based software like ERP, where workers can connect from home or anywhere else. The workflow continues regardless of where people are, whether you're in the next desk, whether you're across town. Uh, digitally, you can't tell the difference. And to further define it, we're seeing modern cloud-based software replace these decades-old client-server monstrosities. They, they were never meant for the internet world in the first place. And with all the connectivity, internet access, and mobility you'd expect from one of those tools, now we've got a better customer experience even when we can't be face-to-face -face with our customers. We had an interesting spotlight that, that perhaps none of us would have chosen uh, to have shown on on this particular you know business evolution but uh it, it's um it, it's so it, it, you know a lot of times you speak about something that's uh, you know perhaps an inch deep and a mile wide or the other way around this is both ways this this is uh, very very impactful and very very widespread uh in the risk management business you would have a big red uh, ball in the upper right-hand quadrant, you know, if that makes any sense to you. Right. Things have really taken off. We're going to get into some details and some stats a little bit later on. But the people that we're talking to, are the salespeople for ERP are having record uh, months in August. 
you know, normally August is a month that everybody goes on vacation and, and you can't get any decisions made out of uh, uh, companies and things like that. However, I guess, you know, there's, there's no place to go with COVID going on. So people have also focused on, we have got to get better. What used to be good enough, it was just good enough. We don't need to replace it. We don't need to undertake any of these big, big projects is no longer good enough. COVID itself was tough to wake up to, and then to find that your Uh, business is running on substandard software after that, uh, that's a monster. That's an absolute monster. When an executive finds himself in this situation, um, a complete and utter sea change in how he's doing business and realizes not only do I not feel comfortable with this, um, the risk is, is just starting to overwhelm the way I'm thinking. And I think, you know, I think that's what, uh, that's what's driving a lot of this explosion in ERP installations is that, that thoughtful people are spending hours on end on Zoom with their finance people and understanding that if you're going to run a thoughtful organization and if, God forbid, COVID keeps us all, you know, uh, where we are for the next year or two, um, you're going to have to start doing some things. You're going to have to start doing some things differently other than just an upgraded Zoom subscription. Okay, let's talk about Disney. Had to close the uh, uh, theme parks, and then the they surpassed the income that they lost from increased streaming of movies that people were watching. When, when they brought brought Disney Plus online and uh, yeah. Loose the entire catalog. You know, Disney had been very, very uh, strategic in the way they handled their content historically. Um, And when they let loose, I I read a story about that. Um, I I believe they replaced or or bettered the revenue they lost in the half dozen uh, parks that they they had to close down. They did, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, you think of those uh, $20 Coca-Colas that they're selling, um, <laughs> that's a lot of revenue to replace, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but, but, you know, they have, and, and that's the thing, that, that's another thing that's going to drive these changes. Um, Disney has perhaps, uh, and I'm not an entertainment guy, um, but, but Disney is known as having one of the most valuable and high quality catalogs, you know, in the, in the content business. Sure. And, and so what that means is, yes, of course, they made a trillion dollars uh, from this because they've got the, the point that I'm making is um, that that's another um, that's another change in the thinking that we're all going to have to make is what kind of content are we producing? You know, not just what is our imaging? What is our marketing? I mean, I think about this in my own business. What am I putting on my website as content? Because that's what's driving everything now. Great point. But let's not miss what we're inferring here, right? Our listeners might not be Disney with an 80-year catalog of entertainment they can shift to. And after the pandemic hit, you know, you can't expect a guy with like three Italian restaurants to upload family videos to YouTube to survive. But using the latest cloud ERP, he can see the reporting and see his high-end Scottsdale locations are going great with takeout. But his Tempe, the more working-class locations, not so much. So he pivots and shifts to to family-sized takeout meals. 
a nominal increase in food costs, but similar labor. Now he keeps that Tempe location open. And then we saw another downtown restaurant open several suburban takeout kitchens, which were really just repurposed retail empty space. So because the business or his clients weren't going downtown to the office anymore, he came to them for easy pickup and takeout. It's what we're saying. It's, it's, you can't find your customers in downtown high rises anymore. And often they're not even in the mall but they are on their computer every day, all day. So you better have a digital strategy to interact online. Well, and, and when presented with that, with that, that horrific challenge that, that no one was expecting, um, I, I think the technology world responded uh, in an impressive way. Of course, <laughs> apparently they've been rewarded with, with a trillion dollars for that right. response. Um, but, you know, so be it, because um, once you find out that you can't, I, I was having a conversation with a, with a supply chain guy the other day, and he sort of put it like this, if, uh, if it has anything to do with the rearrangement or transportation of physical molecules of stuff, um, it, it, the, the business processes around those businesses will change rapidly because of technology. If it doesn't have to do with that, the business processes will change in unpredictable ways uh, like they have now. And, you know, this could drive, we've all heard the sorts of things this could drive. Um, You know, uh, downtown real estate markets could become uh, uh, sewing rooms, Uh, (laughs) you know? uh, It's just, and that's the nature of the internet. You know, Michael, uh, Michael Cohen, a name that's been in the news, uh, President Trump's uh, disgraced lawyer, has, uh, you know, he was a taxicab medallion uh, magnate in New York City. Interesting. Uh, back, back before Uber. And, um, you know, in addition to his other troubles, um, his taxi medallions aren't worth very much anymore. No, they and, don't. I mean, it's one of those things. It's an interesting example. There was a huge... Uh, taxi medallions in New York City were always very valuable, but they became more valuable for a number of different reasons. You know, there was a there was a boom in them, and just as that boom happened, a lot of finance got wrapped around it. People borrowed a lot of money. They were you know, and then Uber came along, and the bottom dropped out. And, and that to me is a you know just taken down to the micro level of what you know michael cohen's not the only uh, guy in new york city who had a handful of or a pocket full of taxi medallions you know and and those guys have gone from uh cock of the walk types you know uh, strutting around new york city with 20 you know medallions worth two million dollars a piece to you can't give them away they they can't pay what's owed on them anymore and that happened in four years less oh, i know I know that. Well, that New York market has gone going on so many changes just recently, and and you know that's that's the thing that scares me for my clients is that if they're not moving forward digitally, you talked about risk earlier. To me, that's the biggest risk right now, because you may not be in the taxi business, but there is a 19-year-old kid somewhere that's thinking about a technology that's going to change your industry completely around, and. The shame of it is, is that you've got a young guy working in your IT group right now, helping everybody figure out, 
you know, what's gone wrong with their Microsoft Word and, and how do I get this to print type questions, who's probably got how some can pretty we good download ideas. How, how can we download this to spreadsheets? <laughs> yeah. And this kid's, this kid's got some app on his phone that does data analysis, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so it's, um, you know, I, I, I told a client the other day, I was talking to him, he's in the restaurant business, and of course, you know, moaning and screaming the blues. I live out here in Maui. Um, obviously, we've been hit uh, perhaps a little harder than a lot of places by this. Um, but uh, we got talking about that, and I told him jokingly, you know, when you find when you find a busboy playing on his phone, you know, don't you don't necessarily want to fire him. You want to see what he's doing on his phone <laughs> because it might be something he might be thinking about your business. And 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 really and truly, I'm being a little silly, but but. Uh, you know, that's an, uh, you know, a lot of businesses are managed by people over 40 years old. Right. Um, that's just sort of the nature of the beast, you know. And we all think we're, you know, that we all think there are good and sufficient reasons for this. And by, and by and large, there are, you know. Yeah. But um, w- with what we're looking at today in, uh, in technology disruption, uh, e- even in, you know, more staid areas of the business process like uh, accounting and finance, um, you know, people are doing payroll on their iPhones now, you know, and, and that one happened slower, but, you know, back when I was in my thirties, there were large entities, you know, I say locally, say regionally, large payroll companies, right? So right. no one really misses the payroll companies cause they gradually went away, but nothing happens gradually anymore. And, uh, that's true. That's true. And if you're over 40, especially if you're over 50, like us, Gene, you know, if you don't think about those things in a proactive way, um, you're, you know, you're going to have a misstep, you know, whether or not it's going to be fatal to your business or not. I mean, how would I know? But, um, you're not going to like what happens when technology sneaks up on you and it, and it will. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and that story about, figuring out what the busboy is doing on his iPhone, you know, I, I was working for Lawson and worldwide sales training in East Berlin and, and we're there and all the big muckety mucks are there. And this was right after iPhone one or iPhone two had come out. I forget which. And they all issued us blackberries, everybody working for the company. And, <laughs> you know, I, I said, Hey, I got one of these new iPhones and it was like, you're not going to use that here. That's not going to happen. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm sitting in, I, I kind of hacked in anyway, right? So I had my email right. and everything coming up on my iPhone. And I'm sitting in the back of this conference room. We had just heard the CEO speak and, and everybody's all excited. And I, I'm sitting there and I tap on my shoulder and I turn around. And there's the CEO looking at me and I go, he's going to bust me for using an iPhone when I'm supposed to be using a Blackberry. <laughs> but what he said was, how'd you get in? Can you hack mine in? Yeah. Can you get mine in? <laughs> right. And the, and the next time I looked up that guy from it that told me you're never going to use that here is wondering why I'm sitting next to the CEO at a table in the back of the room with our iPhones. Right. That, right. That was classic. Right. I, I'll tell you, that makes me think, think of a, a quick story. Um, Gene and I have known each other for years. Um, I remember, I was thinking about this the other day, Gene. I replaced, uh, or was thinking about replacing an iPhone. And uh, you visited me in 2007 in Houston, Texas. And we had lunch with our daughters 
and that was the first time I ever saw an iPhone. Do you recall that? Uh, I remember uh, the visit. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, well, you showed me an iPhone for the first time. So, uh, And when I was thinking about that, I thought about how far they had come because, as I mentioned a, a moment ago, uh, these, it's common for small businesses now to do their payroll on their iPhone. And it's also common, and again, this is to the point of uh, watch out for the millennials because, uh, by the way, a lot, of, a lot of us baby boomer types don't know this. The millennial generation is the largest American generation ever, including baby boomers. Did you realize that? I had not, but I've seen a lot of man a lot of people, running around. So. Yeah, there you go. A lot, a lot of people don't realize that. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm 63 years old. I, you know, I, I have found myself slipping into the, you know, decrying the vicissitudes of youth mode before. But I actually know better than that because of the sorts of things we're talking about. Um, right. These are the guys that are familiar with technology. I mean, I really do know how to run uh, a business better than most 22-year-olds, but I really don't know how to use an iPhone as well as I do. <laughs> and I also understand that that's a deficit, you right. know? Well, talking about topic two wanted to cover today, um, the leader in, in CRM and, and, and digital software, Salesforce, has gone up 30% over the past few months. And while all of this COVID stuff has been going on, people have been, businesses have been signing up for subscriptions and, and because Salesforce helps you keep connected with, with your clients and that type of thing. Uh, Salesforce has announced 12,000 new hires planned for the next few weeks. They already have 58, 60,000 employees, but all of these companies, Workday, Teladoc, Zoom, course, Netflix, Shopify, Apple, all of them are showing phenomenal growth. Now, Forbes recently did a thing I, I, I sat in on from an investor's perspective, and they were, they were talking about the stocks of these companies have blown through the roof in terms of, of value, but the market still doesn't get, cannot understand the investor upside, what the potential for further growth is. And they cannot even price that into the stock. So they, you know, Forbes is saying these stocks are going to go even, even faster. I mean, it's like Apple back in the early days, you know, stock at $5 a share. They had a tiny market share of the PC market. IBM had faster chip speeds and, and PC specs. But if you'd invested in Apple then, you know, you would have done okay. We, we always talk about Apple, Microsoft, you know, they're, they're those, those iconic uh, um, stock stories and so forth. But um, I read a good book recently called uh, Winners Take All. It's about how it, if you can do something like Apple, like Google, and that's, that's outside of the scope of our discussion, but you're familiar with those kind of companies. If you do right. things just, just right, you end up with 80% market share. I mean, and this goes back to something we were saying before. I often hear younger people coming up to me and saying, hey, what happened to Apple? They haven't you know, produced any category killer, uh, big disruptive type products anytime in the last little while. You just spoke about something when, when I showed you that first iPhone in, in, in 2007 and how far it has come. You know, Apple doesn't really 
come out with these category killers. They come out with a pretty darn good product, but the version 1.0 is usually kind of weak. And then they slowly, incrementally improve it, release after release after release, until all of a sudden, nobody can keep up with it. Now, let's and, flash and it's, back. And it's a perfect, it's a perfect instrument, and, and it's ready to process all the trillions of dollars worth of software that right. they run through it. Yeah, well, let, that's let's, the beast. Let's flash this back to 2007. That's when cloud software really started to make its first breakthrough. And back then, there were a lot of limitations, right? Um, Salesforce kind of broke through around 2005, 2006. NetSuite had been floundering around out there since, you you know, 1998 or whatever was the launch of that product. But everybody was scared to put their financials online. You know, somebody could steal my my numbers. But Oh, my gosh. I I, I was in a hundred conversations where retrospectively i wish i would have advised people another way because i, I was a victim of that thinking too yeah you know? and it, it just it was counterintuitive to give anyone else no matter who they were where they were your financial information and, right. and now it's commonplace it's commonplace exactly and so you have all of these cloud-based solutions that are incrementally improving i mean we talked about 70,000, 80,000 people working for Salesforce. There's a lot of development time and a development man years going on there for their products to have new different versions, new different flavors, and connect to everything else even better. All of these cloud-based products are going through that same type of thing. So whereas when they initially came out, it was very simplistic. Now it's getting gotten to a level of complexity. And now they're really market movers and they're starting to dominate these areas. And what's, what that's telling me is that the people that are, the businesses that are sitting still going, I want to see how this COVID thing works out. And in a few days we're going to say, well, we're going to wait until after the election shakes out to see what's going to happen. And, you know, after that it'll be the holidays and we don't want to do anything for the holidays. And then, you know, oh, it's 2021. We want to make sure it's better than 2020. I mean, well, that kind and, of and thinking will get you it, run over. It, it, that's exactly right. Uh, what's going to happen is they're going to emerge in, in a post-COVID world perhaps feeling fortunate that they've survived. What they're going to find out is the competitors that are left out there are rapacious because right. they're the people, the people who, and, and, you know, I, I don't believe in disaster capitalism or, you know, uh, that, uh, sociopaths make good capitalists. I, I don't believe in any of that crap, you know, but, but here's the thing, the guys that are left after this are by and large, you know, whether you agree with it or not, they're going to be, they're going to tend to be very technologically savvy, very, very reactive to things. And to be effectively reactive to a market, you have to be paying attention to data nowadays. And, and, and if you don't have appropriate um, infrastructure, uh, technology infrastructure, uh, you're kind of flying blind. I've worked with so many manufacturers that, that are guys that are really smart at manufacturing they can repair a machine and, and and get down under it and get all greasy and that kind of thing but what they can tell you is yeah we make money every month at the end of the month but it turns out a certain sector of what they make yeah. they're losing make money, money on, on what and, and, <laughs> what do you and make they, money they don't on know. Yeah. yeah yeah they they don't know because they can't take the numbers down 
And with some of these cloud tools, I mean, the 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 thing about you know, if you're if you're running a, some an older version of Epicor, anytime you want a new report, you got to call a guy that's charging you two twenty five an hour. He's going to come out and look at it. He's going to spend twenty hours. He's going to give you a report, and you're going to say, "Huh." Now I have another question: Our users that are using NetSuite Cloud ERP, they're what they are amazed at once they learn the product and start using it is any number that is in that system anywhere they can run a report on and they can do it themselves. They don't have to call some guy out. They can, they can, they can put that report together, take a look at it. And if it makes sense, pass it on to their bosses and, and, and uh, impress them. If it doesn't make sense, well, who's, who's, who's going to know, but at least you've got that functionality to be able to do that. And if I'm sitting here on a traditional Epicor system, not knowing what my costs are and the guy across the street, has got his costs down to the penny. Uh, his bids are going to be more accurate. He's going to have lower pricing, <laughs> except for and, the things and he's, he's going to charge. He's not going to be making that crap that no one makes money on anymore. Yeah, and, I know. And I'm still going to be making it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, you talk about uh, report writing. Um, I, you know, I've been on on the installation of, of a lot of ERP, you know, back back when ERP was the province of Fortune 500 companies only. Um, and you mentioned it. I mean, perhaps after you get your structure put up and, you know, get the installation done, um, one of the most important functionalities, if not the most important functionality in ERP I mean, it's kind of the reason we buy this stuff is report writing, right? I mean, yep. that's that's data analysis. That's uh, that's uh, that's how you get out. If a, a properly written, executed, and distributed report, okay, that's the magic of what we're talking about here. Right. When the when the guy with the grease under his fingernails, who's a genius and built the company, when he finally understands well good lord why are, why are we making these uh, you know these ball bearings we've been losing money on these things forever and and you're right they they really don't know that and um i i think i really think you you can give me your opinion on this i think we're starting to talk about a minority of businesses you know uh, under 10 million over 10 million dollars in sales or so um, more and more of those businesses understand data analysis. They understand data collection through ERP systems. They understand that even if they're not good at it or particularly good at it, they understand that that's the way the world works now. And pretty soon, you know, using something like QuickBooks desktop or, you know, a lot of these companies are still running some fairly arcane systems. Pretty soon, that's that's going to be you know that's going to be like. Do you remember the one right accounting register system with carbon <laughs> papers and stuff? I mean, I'm I'm dating myself, right? But it's going to be yeah. once once we're in post COVID, there's going to be a lot of a lot of really lean, mean organizations out there, and uh, it's going to be hard to compete with them unless you've done the things they've done, and and you know this, that this is one of them. That Forbes article with with the stock prices booming of all the tech companies, that's instructive, yeah. isn't it? That's well, that's that's what your competition is doing right now. Is is they're gearing up and and becoming digitally stronger, and if you're not, um, 
you know, you're, you're pretty soon at a disadvantage. This is coming at the, at the worst possible time. Um, and it was changing before COVID. These guys were slowly getting left behind. After COVID, mm, it's, it's going to be hard to run a $25 million company without good software. It's also right. going to start being, being hard to hire good people without good software. I don't know if That's we talked about thing. that yet. Yeah. That's the thing. We, we were trying to find a CTO for this uh, uh, small company that had just bought Epicor. Yeah. And, what was and, the first question they ask you? Yeah. You know, what are they running? You know, yeah. yeah. And yeah. nobody wanted to move into an older technology. No. Um, they ha- as well, you know what? Nobody talented wants <laughs> to do that because yeah. they don't got to, you know? I fight the same biases. I, gotta, I, I look at it myself. And, and we, we saw this, um, uh, another Forbes article. I hate to quit quoting them without them paying a, a, an endorsement fee. Right. But, can, can we get some dough out of those guys? <laughs> they, they've got plenty. They got that list. They got, yeah, yeah they got, yeah. yeah. They can make it, put us on a list. Most yeah. mentioned Forbes podcast. But anyway, they, were, they did an article, a, a review of this uh, Scottish investment firm called Bailey Gifford. And one of the things that Bailey Gifford has done is they've gotten into some really good technologies. They were early in in Facebook and, and things like that. And what they do is when they have a pitch meeting, they don't allow anybody in the room to say anything negative. Their idea is that that we have a natural tendency as, as so-called smart people to be skeptical and shoot down ideas prematurely that we've not heard of before, right? Now, I don't claim to be one of the smart guys, but once you figure out how a company works, anybody that comes in and says something differently it's really easy to dismiss as they don't have my experience. It, and it's, it's classic, classic. Yeah. yeah. And today with technology evolving at a lightning pace, I mean, I was getting my MBA during the dot-com era where people were saying goofy things like, we don't know where our company, what we'll end up being because we don't know what the internet will become. And, and we're losing money on each transaction, but we make it up in volume. And, and the yeah. VC boys were throwing millions at those guys. So, yeah, right. you've got to have a BS detector, but you also have to have a natural curiosity. And I call it gamifying the new technology. I mean, when you deal with some of these millennial guys, they don't read instruction manuals. They just get right. start playing with stuff right. until they can figure it out. And they, they've been playing every version of, of uh, Warcraft for World or whatever it's called. They've learned that it's a little frustrating at, at the beginning, but then you, once you figure out the game, it's really a lot of fun. They're approaching business technology the same way, whereas we have a tendency to just go, oh, that'll never work, and, and get blindsided by some kid coming out with Uber and, and reducing our billions of dollars of taxi medallions into the price that you can get for scrap tin. Well, you know, it's, it's so much easier now. Uh, you know, when I was 20 years old, when I was smarter than some guy 50 years old, it was yeah. almost impossible to prove it. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> um, but nowadays, you know, smart old guys like me, um, I mean, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not wary of it. Uh, you know, I think, as you probably know, all, all good managers are looking for people smarter than themselves. Well, the, the, the thing about it is, is that every business is transforming 
whether they know it or not. I mean, you, you start making donuts for your friends and, and that transforms into a side business, which then transforms into a retail business. And before you know it, it's a franchise business. And, and a couple of years down the road, you haven't made a donut in, in months, but you've got all of these stores and trucks. You still have, I mean, a, you still have a logo that looks sort of like a donut. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, this, and this COVID transition is putting us into a different era, an unknown era. And I really think you've got to have the tools to be able to know what's going on in your business, to recognize the trends before it's too late and you've just lost money. All of, all of the things that that technology and looking at real numbers can tell you and how much smarter can your accountants be? How much smarter can your finance office be if they're analyzing data instead of inputting the stack of receipts, keying it in for data input rather than data analysis of what are all these invoices? What did we spend this money on? Do we need to keep spending money on this or should we spend money on something else? Well, it's like I've told small business people a, a million times, you know, um, a, a lot of them try to wrangle a lot of information because for some, they heard it somewhere. They're supposed to keep this stuff or they're supposed to. And I ask them, well, what do you do with it? What do you, do you ever look at it? And it's like, well, no, I, I, I never have. I mean, I bring it to you and I tell them, well, you know what? I don't look at it either. So I don't know. I don't know why you're doing this. And that, that, um, that uh, instinct, that, that uh, tendency uh, for us to do the wrong things with information based on that's the way we did it or that's the right. way it's done, that is flying apart at the speed of light. You know, that, that's always been something that, you know, that has annoyed consultants. You, know, you, know, you hear people say, that's the way we've always done it. Um, you know, that, that doesn't even work a little bit now. I call it, you've got to weaponize IT. Your, your IT group is too important to be sitting there answering questions about how do I open this file and, and uh, what happened to the things I thought I saved on my hard drive. They need to be looking at where can we make more money? Um, how can we streamline this process? Why are we filling out these forms in triplicate when we could fill them out one time into a database and, and spread it to the places it needs to go? We need to be thinking in terms of that rather than Bruce down in IT changes light bulbs and he's pretty good with a server too, you know, that type of thing. And it, it's, it just goes on and on. You know, the, one of the classic things is Salesforce is this great CRM system and it can record everything that goes on in sales. And you can record what your phone calls, what you said to the guy, what stage you're in with the process and everything like that. But sales managers generally are promoted because they were the best sales guy. And sales guys are not really good with numbers, right? So when a sales guy gets promoted to sales manager and he wants to see how all the other sales guys are doing, he says, well, hey, fill out this spreadsheet and send it to me before the sales meeting, right? Then the sales guys go into Salesforce, look up the information, type it into the spreadsheet and send it to the guy. If the guy knew what he was doing with yeah. <laughs> creating reports, he would have had this information on his own last night. We need to go in and weaponize the sales manager to help him do his job better, 
to understand the tools. And he may never do SQL joins and, and be able to create, the, create these, these massive reports, but get him the reports he needs and, and so that he can run his department without making all of this manual work for everybody in the department and himself. Well, and again, as you say, uh, to the extent that, that you want to bring IT force to, to bear in an organization uh, nowadays, if you don't have an org- if you've got a bunch of people that need to ask where their files are and what's going on with email, uh, either something's wrong with your people or your IT. So you know, yeah. fix fix that first, and then <laughs> and then you really do need to, so to speak, put these guys to work. You know, I remember in the uh, early '90s when um, IT was first beginning to become what it has become today. Uh, in other words, uh, at the, by about 1990, uh, the people who didn't have computers on their desks were those certain people that you knew were, you know, not going to be going up much further in the company kind of thing. So, so it was becoming a, uh, and, and the consciousness of uh, how important IT was, was, was really starting to, to, uh, uh, to, to flow at that point. And we spoke of IT as a priesthood, you know, because they knew things that no one else knew and they could do these miraculous things. And to their discredit, many IT practitioners, uh, you know, uh, did not uh, dissuade people of thinking of them that way. I mean, you remember the era I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody does. When I tell it, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, guys of a certain age and IT get you over a barrel, that kind of thing. The thing with IT now is they're kind of like accounting, you know? Um, they, if, if they aren't producing good information for you, you know, only part of it is accounting and finance now, as you well know. I mean, they, these ERP systems uh, hook in so much information now that, the, the accounting function is, is, is almost, you know, in the background at this point, as far as the value of the information. And, right. um, and as I say, the, the, the easier it gets to design data analysis, i.e. design reports um, to, to push to the right people. And that's another thing I wanted to mention is that when you design a really good report, uh, that that you believe is is uh, going to drive some some positive change in an organization. Um, be very very careful and very deliberative in how you introduce that report to your audience, and also make sure you maintain the report. One good thing to do is um, don't send it for a month and see how many people you know. Just don't or don't post it. You don't actually send reports anymore. But if you take a report down, um, you can really tell a lot about how much people are using it. And that's a very old trick, right? Right. But right. my my point is, um, design reports that are driving positive change, not reports that are cute, not reports that you can take to a meeting and say, "Hey, look what we can do now." Um, yeah. And, and, you know, you're going to have a lot of hit and misses because it's, uh, it's a very powerful tool when you put ERP in. And that's probably another show, you know, what, what do you do after you get it in? Um, well, that, but, that's uh, the thing about it is, is, you know, any ERP system can make a great dashboard. 
And we all know the, the, I think it was the Peter Drucker theory that anything that gets measured improves, right? But the, the problem with that is, is that you not only need to be able to create a dashboard, you need flexibility because you can go out and you can say, okay, look at how many new customers we're getting. Look at how new, many new customers we're getting. And you can grow the business very rapidly. But then after you've gone through that initial growth spurt, now we need to see, okay, how many repeat customers are we getting? Because those are the guys that we're making more money on than the ones that we have to spend so much to go out and acquire in the first place, right? So you need a different dashboard at this point. Oh, well, it doesn't do that. It only does this, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> That's not something you want to hear a lot from your, from your software consultant. <laughs> oh, it doesn't do that. It's like, hey, dude. You sold this thing to me. You said it did everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, anyway, I think we're, we're running a little short on time. I want to thank you for joining us on the podcast today, Mark. I think we, we got over quite a, a bit. A lot of what we talk about, and, and one of the things I've noticed in some of the other podcasts is, is a lot of word salads and very big words. And, and uh, I've been in the business 25 years, and I really, I'd have to write down what they're talking about. And we've approached this with a, let's just talk about business, plain spoken, straightforward, and give people information that they can use. So, well, that's, you know. that's how I've been making a living as a consultant. I mean, uh, a friend of mine and I used to, to do website for, do the website for our consulting firm. And we, we spoke that way online um, to potential customers. We called it corporate baby talk. <laughs> and that's all a lot of that stuff is. I mean, you know, okay, so you've got some jargon here. I make sure that all the jargon that comes out that um, I make sure I, I'm not lost about what they're talking about. Um, but communicating that way becomes more, it, it provides less and less communication over time than, than right. speaking plainly, you know, because we're all smart guys. We all know what, you know, a failure cascade is. I mean, you know, I, and um, so I would close with that. Uh, plain speaking, after you get all these fancy tools in, plain speaking still works uh, very well, particularly when you're designing dashboards and reports and stuff, because, you know, the, the time for impressing each other and uh, is, has got to stop at some point, And then we get to what's the useful stuff. Absolutely. All right. Well, great, Mark. Thanks. Thanks for showing up today on the ER podcast. Appreciate your time. And we will check back with you in a, in a later episode. Be good, be safe and uh, enjoy Hawaii without all the tourists that can't make it there right now. <laughs> thanks, Gene. Let's do it again. Thanks again for joining us today on the ER podcast. We do want to emphasize a lot of what we talked about today was oversimplified for the sake of clarity. For example, we talked about cloud ERP software. Well, as we'll detail in another ER podcast episode, Cloud ERP has become so popular that every ERP publisher has released a so-called cloud version. Many times, this is simply taking older traditional technology and hosting it in the cloud, which is not the same as modern internet era software designed for cloud, made for cloud, and deployed via cloud. So that's our job at Profit from ERP. We lead you through this jungle of complexity. We cover all those punji stick traps so that you don't end up wasting your time and your money on ERP projects that either don't deliver or give you what you thought you were seeing in the demo. 
Regardless of the industry that you're in or the size of your company, contact us for guidance on a cost-effective, industry-tailored approach to finding the software you need, along with a business guidance to use it to its full advantage. Find us on the website, ProfitFromERP.com or email info at ProfitFromERP.com. It's why we say, Profit From ERP. Our clients make ERP pay.